Lord, we thank you so much. We just thank you so much. The scripture says the grace of God is spreading to more and more people that it might abound to thanksgiving unto God. Because that's all we can do is just say thanks. That's the only sacrifice we can offer is a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. It's awesome. It's awesome what you've done. We're spectators watching an awesome work that happened before our eyes and before we were even born. And then when it was revealed to us, we believed and we stepped into another reality. Great is the mystery of our godliness. For you were manifested in the flesh and you were vindicated by the spirit of resurrection. And you were seen by the messengers and the angels and you were proclaimed on in the world and we simply believed and you were taken up into glory. Great is the mystery of our godliness. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you did the hard part and you said, fear not, did I not say, if you would only believe you would see the glory of God. Thank you, Lord. Help us now to hear heavenly things, Lord. Help me speak as the oracles of God, not as man, but as the Spirit speaks. Help us hear. Help us see. Thank you, Lord, for these things are too wonderful for us. Without the Spirit, we cannot speak these things, nor can we understand these things. But in the Spirit and through the Spirit, we can see the face of Christ and we can hear the voice of our shepherd and we can grow in faith to faith from glory to glory. Thank you, Lord. For the body is dead because of sin, but the inner man is being renewed every day. Thank you, Jesus, for the reality of union. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being here with us, among us, Emmanuel. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Last Sunday, um, we shared about how um, Jesus first came into the world. And uh, I love that scene where um, we talked about how John, John's disciples saw him and John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And, and they, they're like, I can see them looking at John and they're going, looking at Jesus and going, we need to follow him. And they did that and they followed him and they asked him that question. They said, Master, where do you dwell? Where do you, where do you live? And I believe John recorded that by the Spirit in the Gospel of John, not just because it's a, 
it was idle conversation because it was, it was very, very important. Because it's in John's gospel that we see him develop this whole thing about how, um, where Christ lived every day. How he uh, literally lived in the Father. And the Father lived in him. And how he would prepare a place for us. That's where John brings it to the, to the ultimate conclusion that he would prepare a place for us that we might be where he is, that we might live in him and he might live in us. And so that very first question when they said, where do you live, master? I love the way he answered it. He didn't tell them where. He said, come and see. Because it's more than just words or, revel or um, information, but it's a revelation. To come and see speaks of experience. Come, see where I live. And, and, I, we, and we read that verse in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus called those to, his own, those to himself. And the scripture says that he called them, the 12 apostles, he called them that they might, first thing, that they might be with him. First thing he said, that they might be with him. And then that he might send them forth to preach and to heal and deliver. So that they might behold him and see how he lived. See, he wanted to show them how he lived by another. And they slowly began to get it. They, didn't really, they never really got it until the spirit came. Because these are heavenly things. The scripture says, how, who can know the thoughts of God but the spirit of God? That's why Peter would forsake him, and that's why the apostles would run away in fear. They, they got it, you know, just it, it, almost like information. Because remember, they were, they were not born of the Spirit until after the work of Christ. The Scripture says in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit was not yet given in a regenerative way until Christ was glorified, until Jesus was glorified. Then he could pour out the Spirit and bring forth the new creation. So they heard as humans, as natural men, trying to figure these things out. Now what happened when the Spirit came, he brought to remembrance all that he had spoken to them. And that's why they can write the Gospels and they can see, they saw things. They just, just, it was like a, I don't know, like a balloon that was not inflated. And then they just, the Spirit just inflated what was already there that they had heard him say. But now they understood like never before, and they began to teach these things and speak of the Christ. Um, what, what, why is this so important? Why is, think about this, saints. It's so uh, rich and important to look into the depths of Jesus himself and see how he lived his life. He said, as I live by the Father, so shall you live by me. So he lived in this incredible union with the Father that we now have in him. That's why he would say at the very end of the Gospel of John, John would bring it to a conclusion and he said, the day is going to come when you will understand these things and you will know. And he mentioned specifically when it would happen. He said, he said the world is going to rejoice in a, a few days and you're going to be very sad. 
But in a little while after that, you're going to rejoice. And no man will take that joy from you. He was speaking about the resurrection after three days. The world's going to be happy. He's, he's gone. And the apostles are going to be sad and scattered. But in three days. I started signing my emails the other day with um, love from the one who lives and the one who was raised on the third day. I love that. <laughs> it's kind of long, yeah. Typical long-winded me. But I love that. That's who you are. You, are the one, you live in the one who was raised on the third day. Son of God will be, he said, we're rejected by the elders and the chief priests and beaten and killed. But on the third day, he would raise, he would, he would rise from the dead. Awesome. So, so Jesus pinpointed the time when he said, in that day you will know that I am in the Father and the Father's in me and I am in you and you are in me. This union is, it's the heart of everything. Now, what do we find in this union? If we could go inside of Jesus and see what was going on inside of him, if we could go inside of him, we got a glimpse of, of, of what that um, appeared as, I guess you could say it that way, when on that mountain, when he brought James and Peter and John, and the scripture says that as he prayed, that his, his uh, face changed and his clothes changed as, as light began to come forth from what was hidden inside of him. And it was so bright that the scripture says it was brighter than anything that could be, you know, cleaned white. It was just an unusual white that was inside of him. What is this light? What is this glory that was inside of him that is now inside of you because of him? And this is what, this is what really, um, really, really is on my heart to, to speak. And this is what um, will carry us through every day of our lives. Every day until the end. Jesus came to, to bring us the very atmosphere of heaven within us. He came to bring us the great love of the Father 24-7. This is what he prayed in John 17 when he said, Father, they may know that the same love you have loved me with, you have loved them with, that I might be in them and they in me, that, I, that they may know who you are, he said in John 17. So, what I, what I really just want to, you know, we, we think of Christmas, we think of um, this time of year, we, we focus on the, uh, on the incarnation and how he came. Think about this scene. Here, here, are the, um, here are the shepherds. And they were the first to know. And except for the Magi, it probably saw the star at the same time, the Gentiles. But then here are the shepherds here in Jerusalem, in that area in Bethlehem. 25 miles down the road from Jerusalem and an angel appeared first just one angel and in fact let's look at the words that the angel said because this is so powerful 
Look at the Gospel of Luke, please. Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Chapter 2 of Luke verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And I just talked to a friend of mine up in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Louis Savard, and he shared some really awesome stuff. I got to start, I got to uh, research what he's researching about the Magi and the shepherds and stuff. So cool stuff, just facts about, you know, what, who they were and stuff and awesome, awesome facts. And one thing that Louis shared with me, he said, you know, I've, I've, I'm learning that the shepherds that were watching their flock by night um, were special shepherds because Shepherds really didn't watch the flock by night. You probably have already heard this maybe, but it's so cool because typically shepherds would put them in the pen and they'd go to sleep in their homes. But these shepherds were out watching the sheep by night because what these shepherds were, these were only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem. These were the temple shepherds. These were the sheep that had to be offered as sacrifice 24-7 around the clock. The it makes, which makes sense. The priest didn't rely on, oh, we need sacrifices today. Call Joe. We need some of his sheep. No, they had their own sheep. And they took care of the sheep and took care of the lambs because they had sacrifices continually around the clock. Incense and sacrifices going up in the temple. These were special shepherds. They were the temple shepherds. They were, were watching the sheep by night. God came to them first to show them the true Lamb of God. All these shepherds, all these sheep that would be offered to, to cover sin, God came to them as a sign to show them the real Lamb of God. Isn't that cool? And the Magi, man, wait to, uh, it's, um, I'm going to do some study on the Magi, what Lewis was sharing with me uh, yesterday. It's awesome about the Magi. That's where we get the word magic. You know, it gives me a new appreciation for the Orlando magic. <laughs> but, it, but it really... But these, these, just briefly, I'll say this, so cool, I got to study this, but the Magi were the kingmakers in Iran, in Persia, the Gentiles, they were the kingmakers. They were a, they had evolved into a, a council where they anointed the kings in the Persian Empire, which was the beginning of civilization, the Babylonian Empire. They, so the Magi were, they were recognized as the kingmakers. They, when they put their blessing on the king, and this is so cool. And, and I always thought, you know, the three magi would come as, you know, three camels. And we have, you know, and we think it that way because we, there were three gifts. But the, the magi were huge. When they came into town, it was an entourage. It was, it was wealth, incredible. And, and it was like a secret service. I mean, these were the, they were known 
This was the, the kingmakers. That's why Herod gave them an audience. They don't, they wouldn't, he wouldn't give them an audience with three guys on a camel. You know, this is the, this is the you know, and they came and he was afraid of them because he knew who they were. They were the ones, and they came, said, we heard a king has been born. And he was afraid. And some people, that Lewis said, some people say that they intentionally went to him and, and his face, so to speak, and said, and you're not the king by saying that. And Herod, and Herod was like, you know, he was intimidated. He said, well, well uh, bring my scribes out here. We'll see where he was born. And they came out, you know, and they said, it is written, in Bethlehem he shall be born. Um, and so, and then, and then Herod said, well, well we, when you find this king, uh, let me know where he is so I can come worship, worship him too. The snake. And, um, but isn't that cool? And you know what, what's so cool about this? Those magi... In, in, in Persia, which was Babylonian, Babylonian, they were, they came, they, they find their origin from Daniel. When they were taken captive, Daniel, who knew how, the God who reveals mysteries and dreams, began to share with these people about the God of Israel who, dream, who reveals dreams. And this group began to grow in their understanding of the God of Israel and the, the God who reveals dreams. And, and somebody, uh, and some, some think that he may have said something about when you see the star, something that's not written in the scripture, when you see the star, that's when he's born. And that's where he'll be. So I don't know, it's just fascinating. Yes. And there's a verse actually in the Old Testament when they actually came, when Israel came into the promised land, remember they paid that prophet to curse, the, the, the enemies paid the prophet to curse Israel. And so he went to, to curse them and he couldn't curse them. As he spoke, he blessed them. And the, the king got mad and said, look, I paid you a lot of money to curse him. What are you doing? You're blessing Israel. <laughs> he said, I, I can't help it. What God has blessed, I cannot curse. As he began to speak, blessings came out. That's you. That's you. In Christ, what God has blessed cannot be cursed. Isn't that awesome? What God has blessed cannot be cursed. And so, and, and he said this, he said, a star shall rise in Jacob. A star. So there's, there might be something that was in that, that that implied that he would come. Anyway, so these shepherds were... Um, and I, I thank Lewis for sharing this yesterday. It was awesome. I've got to get into this and look at this more. But um, these shepherds were um, temple shepherds, and they came to see the Christ. Now, look at this. This is so cool. Look at Luke chapter 2. Oh, and just real quick. Um, can you imagine um, this entourage coming into the little town of Bethlehem? O Bethlehem, though ye be little among the cities of Judah. It was a small town, only 20-something miles from Jerusalem. This entourage coming into this city. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph who were so poor that when they went to circumcise Jesus, they, brought, they didn't bring the sacrifices that the wealthy could bring. They had to bring the turtle doves because that was the poor could bring turtle doves. So they had no money. They, they, they weren't wealthy. And when he was born, he had to be born in a stable. And, and, and by the way, when, he, when, the, when the entourage got there, he was not in the stable. He was about over a year old at that point because they saw the star at his birth. It was a long journey to get there. So the scenes we have of the, the, the Magi coming into the stable are not true. The shepherds saw him in the stable. You should find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, in a feeding trough. They saw him at the day of his birth. 
The Magi got there about a year or so later. It was a, it was a long journey. So they were still living there in Bethlehem, haven't left there yet because of the tax decree. And they, this entourage brought this, this uh, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And um, gold, as you know, speaks of the divine nature, that this, is, this child is, is Emmanuel. This is the one. This is God who has come to us, the son of the living God. And frankincense was the, the beautiful smell that was used in the temples and also all over the homes in, in Israel. The beautiful uh, aroma speaks of, um, speaks of the, uh, the, the, uh, um, the pleasure of God. You know, the, the aroma. The scripture says we are a sweet aroma in Christ. And, th and there's more to it than that. But, and then there's the myrrh was actually what they used to anoint bodies for burial. The myrrh was used to anoint bodies for burial. So here's prophetically these kings, probably not realizing all that they were doing, but they were led by the Spirit of God to give these three gifts to the baby. And um, I just, I, I can't imagine the, can you imagine the entourage? And, and um, I can imagine the, the look on that innkeep, innkeeper's face at, wow, I turned them down a year ago. Look at this. Who are they? You know? Little Mary and Joseph. And of course, and then the, the Spirit revealed to the, to the Magi not to go back to Jerusalem and tell Herod where he was. And then the Spirit revealed to Joseph and Mary to flee to Egypt for, for a season. And that's when the decree went out from Herod. When he heard that the Magi did not come back and tell him where he was, he said, to make sure we don't miss him, all the babies, two years old and down, kill them all. And that's the devil trying to stop him, trying to find him. See, the enemy's trying to find him. And God already warned him to get him out of that area and get him into Egypt. Anyway, so, all right, let's look at this. This is so cool. In, the, in verse 9, chapter 2, verse 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, just one, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger or a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Imagine that scene, saints. Here are these temple shepherds out at night, <clears throat> and one angel suddenly appears to them, and the glory of God shone round about them. It's like this light that just lit up the whole area with this one shepherd, and he tells them of this awesome news. And after he tells them about the birth of the Christ, then immediately behind him, do you think they were already there? Yes. They were already there, but he, they couldn't see them. So immediately, God opened his, their eyes to see what was behind him. So here's the one angel standing there with this glory speaking to them. And the first thing the angel said is, don't be afraid. Because it's a fearful thing when the unseen comes, when God's presence, God's angels, you know, it's, I, we would do the same thing. We'd, oh God. 
But the very first thing he says is, don't be afraid. This is, this is a day of great tidings, good tidings, great joy. Now what, this is what I want to, this is the nugget that's in my heart to share. The angels were announcing the good tidings and the great joy was that this awesome love between Father and Son, the fellowship of the Father and the Son. The scripture says we've been called into the fellowship of the Father and the Son. This awesome love that spanned the ages before anything was, before there was an angel created, before there was a Lucifer, before anything. This awesome love, this ancient love, this eternal love was about to be given to man. That's why they were, they were like, look at what the angel said. This is so awesome. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, not judgment, peace and good will toward men. And what is the, uh, what is the New American Standard say? Yeah, it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is Right. Now, that's the ex- now, that is the exact translation. I, I left my, NS, my New American Standard at my office. I got to go get it. Uh, this is the new King James. But that's the key. That's the actual translation. With whom God is pleased. He's seen the end from the beginning. He has, he has never looked for us to perform, to be pleasing to him. The scripture says we have been accepted. We, 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 we are accepted in the beloved son. Okay, this is so cool. So this is, this is awesome. And then he goes. Okay, now picture this, saints. Picture this. This, this scene. Here are the shepherds. It's dark. The stars. You can see... Uh, you know, there's not these city lights that we have today. I mean, the stars are so real and so many in the dark. If you've been, in, you know, you've been out in Colorado or in the mountains or whatever, in places where there's not a lot of lights, the stars, you feel like you can reach out and touch them. They're so, so wild and bright. And um, so here are these shepherds out in, these, in this starry night. And it's, um, and this one angel appears, just suddenly is standing in their, his, their midst. And the, there's this light emanating from the shepherd, from the uh, angel, giving light to all the, around them. And then suddenly behind him, when he finishes making his announcement, the veil is pulled and they, what does he say? A multitude? Yes, 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 yes. A multitude of the heavenly host. And when God says multitude, <laughs> I think that all the angels wanted to be there that night. I think they all wanted to be there. I think they, they, they I, you know, who knows? I think they all wanted, I think they, all, they said, we, we would like to be there, Father. We'd like, we want to be there. Can we see it, Father? Of course. You know? And then, I think, I think what they saw was, was tears of, tears of, tears of angels, tears. Like, oh, God. I think it was like a amphitheater, like, like, and I think it spanned around them. I think it was like, I think they then fell down again. 
because they were like, oh God. You know, it's like, and then think of the voice. Think of the voice of these angels. The voices. Think of this, see? This is written that we might go back there and, and, and let the Spirit, you know, open these things up to us and see these things and hear these things. This is not a message of judgment. This is a message of incredible, what do you say? Joy. In fact, he said another word. He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And when God says great, okay. So, but we hear this and we think, Sometimes, you know, we're dull of hearing sometimes. We're dull of hearing. Um, and our, our, uh, our, our ability to, to, to receive this sometimes is hindered um, because we don't see our need sometimes. Do you know that Scripture says that in our need, when we are going through hard times and difficult times, God, that, that difficult times helps to enlarge our heart. That's why when we go through difficult times, it, en it enlarges your capacity to receive more. That's why when you see, um, you know, the woman who was, uh, yeah, but, and, and the other woman who was a prostitute, and, and she, I think, it was, they think it was Mary Magdalene, who came to him and, and washed his feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. And Jesus said, you know, he asked the question to the Pharisees sitting there who were appalled and said, um, who loves more, he who is forgiven much or little? And see, she had so much need, such a great need of forgiveness. She had such a huge, uh, uh, horrible view of herself. All the memories, all the, the uh, evil that she had done, all those memories, all those things, all those things, all those things. And she just like, and she touched uh, perfect love, perfect grace. She, she touched him. And, and so her, she was in such need. She could receive the fullness of the love of God like, like the Pharisees couldn't, who didn't see their own need of him. And that's why he said, you know, I came in and no one washed my feet. No one greeted me and with a kiss. She has washed her, my feet with her tears. She has kissed my feet. Why? Because the greater your need, the greater your awareness of your need of God, God is able to pour uh, more of the unseen into us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See? Um, and so when we see and... and um, it's what Watchman Nee talked about years ago in his book about, um, you know, the brokenness and all. And we, we've, you know, with, without the right understanding of grace, that can become a legalistic thing. But, but that's what he's trying to say. He was trying to say there's a sense of a brokenness that brings a dependency on God. We're not so self-assured like Peter. Peter was self-assured. You know, I can do this. I can fight for you, Lord. I'll, I'll die for you. I'll do this. I, 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 I. But he was too self-assured. He wasn't until he, he, he was broken when he saw his total incapacity to be the courageous person he thought he was. You know, he totally was just undone, wept bitterly, the scripture says, because he had denied the one he loved. Because in his own strength, he, could, he thought he could fight and follow Jesus in his own strength, see. And yet, here Peter was 
at that point so ready to receive of Christ. I love when Jesus appeared after the resurrection and he told uh, Mary, he said, uh, go tell my disciples that I meet them in Galilee. Tell my disciples and Peter. He said specifically, and Peter. Because Peter might consider himself no longer worthy to be one of the apostles or the disciples. And so Jesus made, made a point. Tell the disciples, tell my disciples, I'll meet them in Galilee. Tell them and tell Peter. Isn't that cool? So this, this, awesome, this awesome coming into our world is, is, is God's heart. Let's look, real quick, let's look at this, Ephesians, real quick. Ephesians. This coming into the world is God's heart that we would have. Remember the, the letter in 1 John, as you're turning to Ephesians, remember how 1 John talks, starts off talking about, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son? And we write these things that your joy might be full, that you might have the joy that we have in this fellowship of the Father and the Son. See, he's saying there that this is what, this is what Jesus purchased for us. Through his death, our sins have been removed from us as far as the east is from the west. Through his death, Sin will never, ever be counted against you again. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that He might put away sin. Not cover it, but put it away. All the sacrifices of the lambs and the rams and the goats were to cover sin until the real lamb, the one true lamb, would come. In His coming, in His death, He removed everything that could ever separate us from the love of the Father. We weren't even born when He died. This is a spiritual work whereby when we believe, we are literally translated into the very presence of Christ himself. We are in the beloved. We are actually joined to him. He who has received this spirit is immersed or baptized into the same spirit. The scripture says we've been made all to drink of the same spirit of Christ. And in this place you live now 24-7 and in his resurrection, this life is possible. This union is possible because the spirit of life is poured out to all who believe. And a new creation has, a creation has been raised in him. So this fellowship of the Father and the Son is what the Father's heart has always been. That he might bring many sons and daughters into glory, see? Into this fellowship of the Father and the Son. Now, let's look at, this is so cool. Let's look at this. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints, to the holy ones, to the holy ones. We're no longer sinners saved by grace, but we're holy ones. We're saints. And saints, remember this. When you see holy, when we worship and sing worship songs or you read the word holy, remember what holy really means. Holy means in its essence, other, other, other. God is other than man. Other. That's why when Moses asked him what his name was, he said, I am who I am. Because other, holy, and I am who I am encompasses all that God is. I am who I am. I'm other. That's why the angels in heaven cry, holy, holy, holy. 
He's other, other, other. Not, not this thing we've heard people say that God is love, but he's also holy. No, God is other. And his love is so other. It's not like the love of men who love those who love them. But this love dies for his enemies. God is other. And his faithfulness is not like the faithfulness of men. It's other. He is faithful. Every morning, faithful. What's that verse I love in Lamentations? His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He's other. Every aspect of God is encompassed in the word holy because the word means other. Every aspect of God. See? Now, the beauty, the beauty of this is that he has made you and I holy. Therefore, other. We are no longer from below, but from above. We are other. We are no longer from here. We are other also. See? So the essence of holy means we are, we are his. We are other. We are from heaven now. We are born from above. We are other. And all that he is, we are in him and he in us. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah. So when you sing the song, holy, holy, never again sing as if he's way out there and you're way down here and you're cringing. No, you're singing this awesome with tears and thanksgiving saying, holy other God, Father, and I am holy also in you. You've made me other like you. I'm your son, other. I'm not of this earth. I'm not a from below anymore. My mother is new Jerusalem above. Other, other, holy, holy, other, other, holy, holy. Awesome. Isn't that awesome? That's the true meaning of that word. All that God is is encompassed in that word. That's why the angels say that word consistently, continually, because that's all he is. I am who I am. I'm other, other, other. Great is your wisdom. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his wisdom. So is his power. So is his power greater than our power. His ways, his ways. I'm trying to get the word ways. Ways. Oh my gosh. Okay, real quick, we got to go. This is so cool. All right, here we go. This is so cool. We'll wrap up right here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in this love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Yes. Woo! And this predestination is not, he didn't choose us individually and, and didn't choose other people not individually. He chose us in Him. The whole world can be chosen in Him. The predestination was not to, to a person. The predestination was that the Christ would be the chosen Son and that the way we would be sons and daughters would be in Him. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Isn't that awesome? His plan was always to have us and his sons and daughters in fellowship with him based on his son's work in him. In him. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Lord, thank you so much for helping us see these things. Lord, I pray that we would see, our eyes would be open to the myriad and multitude of angels that 
announce this awesome revelation that the love of the Father has come to us in Christ Jesus, that His death has removed every barrier between us and the Father, and His resurrection has raised us up new in Him, that we might be in Him and where He is, and Him where we are. Thank you, Father, for this awesome reality. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.